Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX Podcast. And Cole obviously moved away, but we're in the studio today live. Cole can't be with us, but our long lost friend, Dr. Kaylee Steelman, is with us today. Kaylee, what's up? Hi, you guys. How's it going? Good, good. It's good to have you back. This is his third appearance, I think I we said. I think so. And my first appearance as a, as a farm D. As a pharmacist. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Kaylee was a student with me on rotation, when was it, last summer, I guess it was? Yeah, because you were my first rotation. Yeah, okay, so it's been over a year now at this mm-hmm. point, and what have you been doing since graduation? So, I am now a resident at UNC Chapel Hill. I'm in their community-based pharmacy residency program. I'm at two independents in Chapel Hill um, because I eventually want to own my own independent. So I'm getting a lot of business background, learning a lot from some incredible pharmacy owners. Um, and in the meantime, as you know, because you helped me start, I am still working on my Arcs Cheat Sheets account and publishing study guides and helpful materials for other students. Absolutely. And I've, uh, I've been, I was wondering if, if residency was going to be one of those things where you had to put it on pause and all that, but you've been rock and rolling with it ever since graduation so that's awesome i have been and i think it's even been growing a little bit because my um pharmacists have seen it as an incredible opportunity and they're um helping me do different avenues and maybe do some videos reels whatever um but yeah they're helping me out there Are you, do you feel like it's something that because you're making the content it's helped you to kind of continue to learn or keep up to date or whatever oh, it is for sure especially doing topics that you don't see every day in mm-hmm. community um like oncology drugs stuff like that um it's been helpful so i can keep fresh in those topics as well and then explore avenues that i'm more interested in like dietary supplements and natural medicine and for people who haven't seen rx cheat sheets on instagram or you know social media in general um can you give us kind of a little bit of a summary of what you do and what kind of content you have on there yeah so i just um i have always had been a little bit artistic so i make my study materials more artistic colorful more visually appealing to the eye if you will compared to like a powerpoint you would see in class and so um you know along the way people would ask me for my notes and i would provide them and when i was working with you on rotation you were like hey you should you should share these for more people to see so um I just turn our our PowerPoint study materials into PDFs and make them visually appealing and put them out for people to see. That's awesome. And how is it grown from when we were talking about it, like you were first kind of having it? Because I'm pretty sure we even like helped, like kind of came up with the logo and stuff while you were on rotation with me, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like... uh, now that it's been over, you know, a year and stuff going, what's been working? What's been frustrating about it? Oh gosh. I don't know what's been frustrating. I think maybe being in residency and being busier, I haven't had as much time to devote to it as I wanted to, but I've found ways to make other types of material that aren't super time consuming because the big study guides I make, you know, take hours um but i can make simpler like drug cards where i just do a highlight on one drug and talk about mechanism of action side effects indications maybe off-label indications stuff like that um so those are much faster i like doing those um and then a bunch of reels for um over-the-counter medicine and dietary supplements to teach people on social media about those because a lot of people if you're not in the healthcare profession you wouldn't know yeah, and especially in that space, I feel like there's so much, 
I hate to use the word misinformation, but you know what I mean. There's yeah. a bunch of nonsense out there that, oh, this product does this and that. And right. it's almost never coming from a professional in a lot of scenarios. So that's, that's right. cool. That I did it. I, d- I actually do a dietary supplement, uh, like recommendation. Um, they're like full consultations. We just started it this year at the pharmacy and my first patient who came to me, um, for referral, um, she brought me her med list and the bottom two dietary supplements said, I take these because my friend told me to take them. And I was like, Oh, that's a great way to start. Yep. <laughs> like, let's dive into this a little bit. Is your friend a licensed physician? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but no, so we got that figured out and made some changes to that med list. So that's awesome. And and you've kind of always been interested in like the supplements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like how far back does that go? Oh, I'd say probably like high school because, um, you know, like growing up in sports and stuff and mm-hmm. trying to find ways to optimize my nutrition and my overall health. I've always leaned more towards non-prescription medications. I know that's a little contraindication, indication, how do you say that word? Contraindicatory. Con- You're going to edit that out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, it's a little bit ironic since I'm a pharmacist, right. but part of my passion is natural medicine. And there've been, you know, my mom, certain drugs that I learned about in school and I'm like, you're not taking this anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that there, people are always going to take them regardless like, right. because there's just so much information about that, whether it's accurate or not, people are going to always take them. So like kind of providing people with, you know, what you know, could have more benefit than others or like, right. I think the thing we'll get into today too is like the, the potential interactions and like side effects, things to avoid when you're talking about over the counter stuff. Right. And like my always philosophy has been in everything in life, like less is more. And so I grew up with the mentality, like if my great grandma who lived to be 103 can survive on, you know, natural medicine and lifestyle changes and recommendations, then why can't we? So, um, I've always been more of a, like preventing the medicine Mm -hmm. instead of getting on it. Trying to play catch up. Yeah. So, you know, I was in, you know, did various sports and stuff when I was in high school and all that too. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but, high school guys are, are some of the dumbest group of people you'll ever meet. And so we would always just take anything and everything. It was like, oh, creatine will make you run faster, jump higher. Anything mm-hmm. you could possibly get your hands on, we would right. go for it. Mm-hmm. Is this the same when with the female athletes? Are you, do you, yes. get, are you guys a little bit more yes. uh, I, I, hesitant? I mean, I myself will like research it a little bit before I tried anything. But even like a few months ago, I went into a GNC and I wanted a recommendation on a product and I – kind of asked them to see what they would say and obviously had done my own research. To get a hilarious answer. Yeah, and um, they recommended, um, I think it was L-carnitine. And and it was for like a little bit of helping in the gym, toning and whatever. And then I tried it and I was so ill. And I looked it up and oral L-carnitine is about 3% bioavailable. So I was like, "Mm, what what is this really doing? I might as well sniff it. Yeah, just sitting in your gut. (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh. Yeah, now the, 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 while their polo shirts are nice and crisp, their, yeah, their knowledge um, level varies yeah, from store I, to store. I think that's a reason too why I got so into this because you know we have all these supplement shops around that are making recommendations like this. And do they know what medications you're already on? Do they know it may or may not have an interaction with your prescription medication? Do you know what? Do they know what conditions you have? I think it's all very important, and I think it's something a healthcare professional that's trained in that area should be looking into. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that you kind of have been doing this throughout residency and helping people with some of that. Is that something you guys are, like, billing for? We 
are charging cash for it right now we'd love to see you know insurance cover as a preventable Mm -hmm. service but um we haven't started that just yet we just launched it like two months ago gotcha i i mean and i figured it probably was like i just was wondering if you had found some way to get around some of the billing issues that's always the at least in south carolina anyways always a huge headache and so what's the plan you know after you know, finish all this training and you're finally on your own doing your thing. What, yeah. What's the goal? We'll see. Um, my end goal has always been to own my own independent pharmacy and incorporate these things that we've talked about into it. You know, the supplement consultations, um, because I am dietary supplement certified now. Um, and I want to find a way to like make the best of that. But, um, that's always been my end goal. I don't know where mm-hmm. I will end up, but, um, or when, but when the opportunity presents itself, I'll be there for it. Um, That's cool. But for now, probably just looking for other jobs in independent pharmacy to get my feet a little bit more wet. I was going to say, is that kind of what you're thinking that you're going to stay in like dispensing, like independent type role? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love it. Yeah, that's cool. The, uh, is, you know, one of the hot topics, and I think we're going to get into this today is, is, uh, you know, supplements in general are always something people talk about, but now with more and more states legalizing THC cannabis and with, I don't know if it's legal in all 50 states, but CBD mm-hmm. um, is very widely used nowadays. Delta 8, some of these, you know, th- things like that, that are these cannabinoid derivatives and whatnot. Um, I, I think these are something that a lot of pharmacists kind of shy away from because right. there's a lot of stigma behind it and whatnot, but these are coming one way or the other. And we've, we've talked about this in the podcast a little bit before, but you know, I, I think it's important as a pharmacist, especially to kind of at least be familiar with some of these, you know, molecules and, and how they work in the, in the body and their biochemical response. Cause you are going to run into patients that are taking these, whether, you know, we want them to or not. Right. And we have to figure out how to kind of navigate that along with their, their other pharmacotherapy regimen. Mm-hmm. is uh there anything in particular that you want to start off with with thc cbd is anything that like you're like got you interested with that in particular um no i think we should just kind of start at the beginning work our way through um to so the endocannabinoid system i'm gonna mm-hmm. go through that real quick and just do some basic stuff as i as i try not to read directly off this uh this is all coming from my memory everyone so just be amazed um but uh Basically, the endocannabinoid system, or the ECS, um, it's very widespread neurotransmitter system, and it has a lot of different roles as far as maintaining homeostasis. It, it does have various endocannabinoids that are endogenous, so we have anandamide, um, we have 2-AG, for example. Those will interact with cannabinoid receptors CB1, CB2, and also like various other um, enzymes and, and receptors and whatnot that I'll mention briefly. CB1 specifically, though, is, is the receptors that are found primarily in the central nervous system. CB2 is typically predominantly in the peripheral tissues. Uh, it also has a role in immune cells. And overall, in, endocannabinoids you know, are synthesized on demand and, and act as a retrograde neurotransmitter and so they can help with modulating the release of other neurotransmitters and you know the ECS overall is, is involved with regulating various pharma, uh, uh, physiological responses you know it plays a role in mood memory appetite pain sensation infl- inflammatory response it also can have some influences over cardiovascular reproductive GI um, health and 
any kind of like dysregulation of the CCS is, is something that we have to worry about as far as, um, you know, all kinds of various uh, disease states and, and why it's such a prevalent target now for potential therapeutic agents. So uh, definitely something that they think the psychiatry and the neurology folks are, uh, I'll see some of them are excited about. For sure. So I'll kind of touch on some of these receptors. I, I like I like receptor signaling. I don't know if you guys are aware of that about me, but it's something that I, I find interesting. I don't know why because I know how nerdy it is, and for most people it's pretty boring. But I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. So I want to start off with CBD because I think that's actually the one that's a little bit more fascinating because that's not interacting as much with the – the CB1, CB2 receptors that we would typically think of with like THC, but they, they do interact with various receptors. So serotonin 5-HT1A receptor um, they interact with, which we know that we would typically when we're dealing with like depression or anxiety, when we can get some like at least partial agonism or, or agonism at 5-HT1A, uh, that can help to, you know, speed up the the, the symptom relief or their, their um, how quickly they, they move towards remission of their symptoms. And, um, the other thing that can also interact with that it's, I was actually not familiar with, with the, uh, vanillinoid TRPV1 receptor. Is this something you had seen prior to this in some of your reading? I wasn't familiar with like how it interacts or anything, but it's, it's a receptor that basically has a lot of different downstream effects if, if it's, um, activated. So it, it plays a role with certain neurotransmitters like substance P, uh, CGRP, um, and the activation of that receptors is thought to be, you know, from, uh, an inflammatory response, things like that. And so the CBD does, uh, interact with that and can, uh, basically antagonize in that receptor. And so that's where they, they think it plays part of its role in it's, you know, inflammatory response, uh, inhibition and whatnot. Um, there's also something called the fatty acid amide, um, hydrolase, which is a, an enzyme that if you inhibit it, um, you basically, get this, this increased levels of um, anandamide, uh, which is that endocannabinoid that's it's endogenous. And uh, with increased levels in, in andamide, you get uh, all kinds of different various downstream effects as well. And, and that also plays a role in mood and pain sensation, memory, all that good stuff. So, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through every one of these things, but you know the, the receptor signaling, I think, is the big difference between the... CBD and like the the TH the THC and um, some of the other um, more psychoactive uh, cannabinoids. The the CBD doesn't tend to have those the psychoactive um, components to it, and, and a lot of times you, you know patients don't have the euphoria and some of the other things that are often attributed to, to THC. So it's it's thought to be, I guess, technically more therapeutic without the euphoria, which. I don't know. I always think that it's funny that euphoria is listed as a side effect, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I get it. Um, but uh, it it's, tends to be something we think of as a little bit more mild, potentially maybe less effective too, depending on what you, you know we're looking at as far as its use. But it, uh, it it's definitely very widely used now because of the legality of it versus THC in, in you know, various states. Right. And I think, you know, thinking back on the psychoactive properties of one versus the other, we can tie that into the plants that they come from. And that explains it a little bit. Um, so the cannabinoid is like an umbrella term that includes many different compounds, including the tetrahydrocannabinoid 
cannabinol, the THC, and the cannabidiol, or CBD. And they all come from the same plant. The plant has a gene that over time will convert the cannabinoid into both THC and CBD. And you'll see some of their different formulations of CBD, and some of them are actually just degraded THC over time, specifically CBN. Um, but the difference in the marijuana plant and the hemp plant is the amount of THC found in that plant and the plant species they're derived from. So hemp is only from the cannabis sattva, sattvia plant, while marijuana can be derived from the cannabis sattvia in addition to cannabis indica and cannabis ruralis. Yeah. Is that what I said? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And from those three. So I've had patients that come and say, I don't like the cannabis sitvia. I want the indica, but they are requesting CBD, which is only the cannabis sitvia. So it's, you know. Is it sativa, Joe? Is that how you pronounce it? Sativa. Sativa, okay. And then indica, I think you said. Is that that right? Um, So correct me if I'm wrong. The the indica is the the more sedating. Right. And sativa is more of the stimulating ones. You said you have people come in that that don't want the indica. You said is it more? No, they want that. Or they want the indica. They're wanting more of the laid, more mellow. Right. But the CBD, I believe, is only from the The indica. Sativa. Gotcha. Okay. The THC can come from the other three, I believe. Um, But yeah, the THC is responsible for the high effect. And then the general rule of thumb is that the hemp plants that contain more, the hemp plants contain more CBD, while the marijuana plants contain more THC. So that would explain that. Mm-hmm. And you sent some studies to me, to, uh, you know, as far as the efficacy of some of these. What, how, in your experience, just you know, I know you're kind of new to the space, but in your experience, what's the What's the acceptance from like other healthcare professionals? Is there people that are supporting like, hey, we need to do more research or I'm glad that this is being looked at or is it more pushback that you've seen? No, I think it's pretty much accepted Mm -hmm. um, from what I've seen, um, especially the more THC products like the Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10 Mm -hmm. um, and the new kid on the block, the THC V. Ooh, what's that? You're going to love this one. This is called uh, diet weed or weederol. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is it legal? Uh, well, we're selling it. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, but it's a variation of Delta 9, and it's uh, like marketed for weight loss. So why is it – what is different about that? Do you know offhand, like, what's different about that? Like, why it gets a different mechanism? Or yeah, it's just a response? variation in the Delta 9 instead of the – THC, it's tetrahydrocannabivarin. Cannabivarin, okay. Yeah. And it and it has less effect on, what, what did you say? You said something about the uh, appetite or something? Right. It's actually like promoting a reduced appetite. I know okay. I think most commonly with THC products, it um, increases. Like increases your appetite, right? Um, but the theory here is that the THCV actually blocks the CB1 receptor, which is known to stimulate the appetite. Gotcha. Huh, that's pretty cool. And what about, you know, side effect wise and stuff like that is, have you had any like anecdotal, you know, reports from anybody to explain like how their experience with it yet since it's fairly new? I, I've had a lot of people have great effects from it. I, some, you know, some haven't noticed a difference. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes from your experience with marijuana and if you have used it recreationally versus not. Um, I, I know a lot of 
our patients do experience great benefit from that, from things like anxiety, um, insomnia, um, and even, I think, um, like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, Specificity with multiple right. sclerosis. Well, and, and I think, too, you mentioned anxiety. Correct me if I'm wrong, but with something like CBD, because you're not getting the interaction with the CB1, CB2, and you're getting some other downstream effects from those other receptors, you're kind of mitigating some of the side effects of THC, like in, in, inducing anxiety and some right, of that. Right, exactly. So you're getting more of like a calming effect versus the yes. potential for in, in increased anxiety. Right, the euphoria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because in same with some of the other more bothersome like the dry mouth and thing that shouldn't be an issue with or at least as significantly with CBD um, because of the lack of interaction with those CB one CB two right theoretically or at least the less less affinity. Um, anything else that's like cool that you've seen coming out that are like new you know derivatives or anything that they're like working on. Um, I think the one the newest CBD that I have seen and it I don't know that it's new or not new but it's more prominent now is cbn and this one is marketed specifically for sleep and that's because it is actually degraded thc that's oxidized and converted to cbn hmm. um so maybe the sedation from the thc is helping with the um sleep for cbn now what about patients that you're seeing that are just getting something like delta 8 or, or thcv or is that what it's called thcv mm-hmm. um how, how do you have to counsel on them as far as if they have jobs that could do random drug testing or anything? Is that something that you have to worry about? Because yeah. there is technically a positive that could come up on a drug test, right? Right, right. We we do let them know that. Um, there, We actually also sell like a rapid detox. Um, uh, yeah, look at you guys. Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty progressive. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are breaking yeah, all the we rules. Got the, we got the Stonios. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do they work at all? Um, I've, heard, I've heard the Stonios. No, the the the, do, the detox thing does that work at all? Oh, yeah. From what I from what I've heard, yeah. What, what's in it? Do you know? No, I don't. Um, I know it's like a little little capsule. So, yeah. right, it'd be interesting. We'll have to follow up with that. Yeah, we'll out. have I'm, to. I'm look. curious to see what's in yeah, there, if, um, especially if it. Because I feel like a lot of the like over, like the remedies like niacin. Or, yeah, it's like you know you're just gonna be flushed. Right, you're just <laughs> you're, gonna you're be gonna urinating a lot. Yeah, um, but. No, I think we just started carrying it a few months ago. I think it's a newer thing. Mm, um, that's cool. But, I mean, if everyone is going to be using these Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10 products that could pop positive on a drug test, it's it's something to think about. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think a lot of places, too, I think are going to, like, the saliva tests. And I, I've, those seem to be, like, less likely to pick up on some of those, like, minor things. At least, again, anecdotally, I guess, is from right. what I've heard. It's, it's, they don't seem like they're nearly as... Um, because they're not looking for the the you know the the use from like way back when they're looking for more recent use to make sure that's not impeding your actual work performance or whatever. Right. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Because I feel like uh, it's going to be even if even if across the board it was like legalized, I feel like the employers and the insurance things they're still going to be that because it yeah. just has been for so long. It's going to take so long to actually get rid of that. Right. What about, uh, is there any like drug drug interactions that you have to like really have on your radar? Um, any, and, and if you don't know off the top of your head, I'm just asking you this on a whim, I know, but since, since you guys started this program, is there anything that you've started to like, are you starting to like keep a log of some of the things to watch out for? Or how are you kind of thinking about that? Um, I think a lot of the patients that come in to get it from us are not 
total patients of our pharmacy. So it's hard to run drug interactions on their profile. Um, and not really anything that comes to the top of my head um, right now. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just, just curious. Um, I feel like a lot of the, it's more on the THC side, the actual cannabis or, or some of the, like the derivatives like Dronabinol or some of those that right. are more so uh, a concern if they're on benzos and some of these other yeah, CNS exactly. presents or something. But um, what what have you seen? Do you feel like the, the Delta 8s and some of these other, you know, derivatives are, are over coming like the CBD as far as like what people are interested in and the, what customers are coming in for? I think so. I think our like bestseller is actually a Delta 8 gummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do like that to start out with because you can, you know, take a half or a fourth even um, compared to the oils or tinctures where it's just in drops or even a capsule. Like you can't break a capsule in half. Of course, they don't have a tablet because that would just, you know, be too easy. That would be too easy. Um, but I'd say the Delta 8 gummies are definitely the the top seller right now. You can take between what a fourth of those and like seventy eight of them, right? Yeah, right. There's but, a big range for a therapy. Yeah, well, they take range. an hour or so to kick in, so I wouldn't take more than one at first. Now that is an old wives' tale. They kick in very quickly, kids. Okay. So, no, I'm just kidding. Do not. That's that's false. <laughs> Don't do that at, at all. least an hour. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's the thing. I've actually seen some people. Uh, I think it was Delta Eight specifically that um, I, I had a friend of mine who t- took it thinking it was like a melatonin, and I, I guess he's very sensitive to that type of react, and he was like not not enjoying it. He was like, yeah. it, it made him feel like kind of you know off and all that. So yes, take a small amount, see how you respond, yeah. and make I know sure that that's uh, happened to a handful of my yeah. friends too. They yeah. think they take one, they don't think it's doing anything. <laughs> Ten minutes later, they're taking two more, and, yeah. they, and then they get uh, really sick. The classic mistake, <laughs> <laughs> rookie mistake. But uh, yeah, so anything else with any of those or any of the study stuff you want to go through at all? Or, you, know, you kind of mentioned a lot of the disease states that the studies were, were talking about, and I'll, I can link some of those in the uh, show notes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know. Do you want to go through the studies and see what they're looking at, or I guess can we just go through briefly, like some of the uh, the disease states that they're yeah talking about? Um, do you have one in particular you want to start off with, or um, no, you can. You want me to away. just do it? Okay, yeah. Let me uh, just pull this up here. I had my other sheet pulled up, so there's three different sites, like I said, and, and this is by no means like you know all of the data that's out there. There's there's tons of other reviews and things like that. But um, I, I like these because they were just kind of reviewing some of the the data that, you know, supports or doesn't support the use of, of medicinal cannabis or, you know, um, CBD or whatnot. But it, there's so many different studies that have looked at things from chronic neuropathic pain, Parkinson's disease, um, you know, fibromyalgia, obviously, yeah, epilepsy, like uh, Kaylee said, multiple sclerosis, um, dementia, and... Um, it's it's kind of hit or miss with the with the efficacy. I'll just kind of summarize it at that. It's it's not as it's not the cure all that the advocates like to pretend it is. And you know, and, and I'm 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 pretty pretty solid advocate for it. I would think from a medicinal purpose. And and I will be the first one to tell you it is definitely not for everybody or a cure all like some people try to make it out to be. I also don't think it's you know this horrible you know. Right. substance that some people think it is either especially if it's done in a controlled environment from a, supervised by healthcare professionals but uh but yeah I, I i think being realistic with the studies and and being 
you know, having it as a, as a potential option for certain patients, um, you know, but, but being realistic with expectations. And I guess the way I look at it personally, especially when it comes to pain, I know for a fact that opioids over time are going to, you know, potentially cause hyperalgesia and, and, and put the person at risk for all kinds of issues, obviously, including, you know, overdose and respiratory depression and all that that we have to worry about. And with something like THC, especially CBD or something like that, the risk is a lot lower as far as like serious complications from it. Right. And as long as the person doesn't have, you know, it's an underlying psych disorder, you know, you know, the age range is also the important thing. This is also not something that I, I feel like at least from my point of view, I don't recommend this to like, you know, (laughs) even, even teenage, you know, teenagers or something. If they, oh, I need something to help me sleep. I wouldn't say CBD is the thing to go with. Well, I think you have to be. 21 to buy it i think yeah, yeah i think so well i've heard people giving it to like their kids and stuff and uh, i'm like yeah maybe not right yeah maybe like let's give it a minute <laughs> but um yeah but it's it's something that uh i definitely think in the right context and you know given to the right patient and, and done safely i think it can definitely have some benefit yeah. um but, but i mean you're right there is evidence there but at the same time there's you know a handful of studies on each different condition some of the evidence is pretty pretty promising some is showing no benefit so i mean i feel like with pain or, or some of these other things you know too it, it's it's with the neuropathic issues and stuff it, it's even if there's a slight placebo effect to it mm-hmm. hey, i mean if anything that helps the patient feel better when it comes to that like chronic pain like that then heck i mean i who might have <laughs> steer them away from that especially when our opioids or some of these other alternatives are we know are terrible for right. us and and not good long term so that's that's kind of my personal thoughts on it you know if yeah. somebody wants to stay away from everything great but yeah. if I had to pick an evil, I would definitely, this seems like a safer of the two. Yeah. In will, my humble opinion. I will say my research project this year is actually about opioids. And it's it's been interesting to, you know, kind of see the patient's knowledge on what opioids are and the risk and benefits. And it's been really interesting to see how great some doctors are about explaining to patients in depth, risk, benefits, you know, side effects, and some that don't at all. So, um I, I would be an advocate for something like CBD as well, especially when, you know, there is such an opioid problem or I guess pandemic yeah. and epidemic, epidemic, yeah, yeah. epidemic in the world right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, what other supplements we need to be on the lookout for then as far as what, what are some, some hot topics nowadays in the, in the supplement world? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I think let's start with, like the difference between a supplement and a prescription drug or over-the-counter drug. Um, so I think the biggest difference is that supplements are not evaluated by the FDA. So all supplements must have the statement on the bottle that this is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, prevent any type of health condition, because in contrast, drugs must be proven safe and effective prior to release, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't have on the melatonin bottle like melatonin treats insomnia, um, because that's not appropriate. Um, and then a supplement may supplement fact label would be similar to a label on a food product, you know, listing out all the ingredients, quantities, X, Y, Z. Um, and then an OTC label would also include ingredients, purposes, uses, warnings, instructions, and excipients. Um, whereas the prescription drug would have like a full package insert for you to, for you to figure out how to read. Yeah. Well, and it's like, also it's weird because you have to show safety 
in these, but you don't have to show efficacy for the, the over-the-counter stuff or supplements or whatever. But then a regular drug, it's like you have to show safety to some extent, but it's like, or we could just slap a big old warning on there and we'll yeah. still approve it. But it's like, it's like we offset it with some of the efficacy and we're like, we just, how much more warning and, and side effects we accept based on, it's just like, it's such a weird, yeah. I mean, balancing act. But yeah, I, the supplements in general tend to be a little bit more on the sketchy side, right. depending on the, you know, where you're getting them from and how you're researching. I think the thing that's really crazy now is especially when you have like some of these, there's legit compounding pharmacies that are making, you know, the, the Ozempics and things like that that are legitimate company. Then there's also some that are like, mm. Hey, look what we learned how to do. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like just mm. shipping it over. Like I get ads on Instagram about yeah. like, Hey, I know I passed a billboard on the way here. Like get Wagovi now. Yeah, and, and <laughs> oh, okay. you know, I'm, I'm all for Wagovi. I'm just saying like, yeah. it, you gotta be really careful with where you get it from. Exactly. Yeah. It's just something that, uh, if it, if you don't, my rule of thumb is if you don't need a prescription for it from the company pharmacy, you, you may not want that. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, just something to keep in mind with a lot of the yeah. supplements and whatnot. Yeah. Cause I've actually seen, I think it's B12. A lot of compounders are compounding with Ozempic to mm-hmm. be able to be able to legally do it. Um, but yeah, they've been mixing all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. And I think the compounds that they're using uh, for most of the places now are using is like the 2.5 milligrams per ml. So it's like different mm-hmm. concentration too. But yeah, uh, like I said, it's I'm all for it. It's just need to make sure you're getting it from a legitimate right, source. Right, 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 Um, So you asked my favorite supplement. Yes. Do you want to guess what it is? Prevagen. Um, St. John's Wort. Okay, cool. Next best. Um, but no, um, Funny story, actually, I was on rotation last year, um, and I was doing a med rack, and I asked, I always ask any vitamin supplements, over-the-counters, anything like that I need to add. Nope, nothing, okay. Go, doctor does his interview as like, okay, we're going to prescribe uh, venlafaxine. Got Perfect. it. I go in there to counsel on him. And, you know, starting at four, depression, mood. Um, and the uh, patient was like, um, question, does this gonna mess up my st john's wort remember like, that part oh. of the, the question and where yeah. i asked you if uh, you were taking it but right people, people don't see them as med is medicine no. they see it as like a benign oh it's a natural product i'm like yeah but right this didn't you didn't pluck this from your garden this came from somewhere <laughs> yeah but you know just fyi if there is going to be a supplement that interacts with something it's going to be st john's mm-hmm. wort because it induces uh sip 3A4, 2C19, 2C9, and 1A2, um, and PGP. So, you know, it's yeah. hitting, hitting, hitting all the drugs. Yeah, yeah, so many of them. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's also serotonergic because, um, so it's implicated in serotonin syndrome. So you're not going to want to use it with MAOIs. And actually, in that case, we had to, like, determine they needed to space out the St. John's wort from the vitinlefaxine by at least two weeks. We wanted to play it safe. We were like, you know, just don't want any risk of complications at all. So we told him to discontinue the St. John's wort. And then in two weeks, 14 days, start the Venlo vaccine um, because of that risk for serotonin syndrome. How did the patient like respond to coming off of it? Were they open to it yeah. or was it pushback initially? Yeah, no, they were pretty open to it. Um, but I mean, just, I guess, like a good catch, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, St. John's wort is a... I mean, you can you can almost always find a drug drug interaction right. with that drug. So yeah, what else you got? What other good ones are there? 
Um, let's see. So I, I feel like we could talk about supplements for days. days so and days. yeah, without going into too much detail, there's a few you want to be on the lookout for that could increase bleeding risk. So if your patients are already on anticoagulants, warfarin, um, the five G's, so garlic, ginger, ginkgo, ginseng, and glucosamine are all going to have a bleeding risk. Um, high doses of fish oil, vitamin E are the most common ones. So those are something to look out for. I think um, turmeric also has um, increased bleed risk too. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe all of those are more so dealing with like platelet aggregation right. and like decreasing that process. So it's almost like taking in a low grade antiplatelet along with your anticoagulant. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. Um, no stents, just for fun. Yeah, no. There are a couple with liver warnings um, and are hepatotoxic, such as black cohosh, which is commonly used for menopausal symptoms, kava, which is used for like stress. Um, so those are the two that really come to mind. There are a couple with cardiac risk. Um, so to look out for in our patients with um, like heart failure, um, ephedra and bitter orange are two. Um, Pitter orange. Yeah, because they are technically like stimulants. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we know all about that. Um, <laughs> and then Yohimbi, uh, which is used for like ED, um, and it raises the blood pressure, so it would increase heart rate. Yeah, that's true. Because that was in that uh, those ridiculous products that were like the male enhancement stuff that they mm -hmm. were selling at Walgreens of all places. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, with with all natural, you him be like all the people with tons of cardiovascular yeah. diseases were buying it. It was like, no, right, this stuff doesn't work at all, and your right. heart's gonna explode. Yeah, it comes to get like their heart failure meds and a bottle of that yeah. on the side. Yeah, yeah, extends and all these other ridiculous products. I'm like, who let this on the yeah. market? This is insanity. <laughs> Probably the same people that are compounding Ozempic for much. Listen, there's some good, there's some soldiers out there compounding legit Ozempic. How dare you? And there's also a whole bunch of them compounding not legit Ozempic, but that's neither here nor there. That's their business. Yeah, yeah. We, we we're not uh, we're not doing crime investigations in this show just yet until we run out of topics. Oh well, let me know when you do because I'll be here for that. We'll just turn this into a bounty hunter bounty hunter podcast. True. We probably we probably get way more listeners. Um, anything, anything else, uh, supplement wise that you've been looking at lately or got you interested? Um, well, one more thing with health risk before yeah. we transition, um, is caffeine and I'm guilty of this myself because I'm drinking my coffee, <laughs> my third coffee of the day. But, um, so caffeine will raise blood pressure and increase heart rate. So it's also something to be mindful of, um, in our patients, you know, coming into the pharmacy for their blood pressure medication and their heart medication, um, we actually just put a um, beverage shop in our pharmacy called Roots, and they do energy teas. Um, and so we've just been, you know, saying you need to let patients know that this has the amount of caffeine as an energy drink because they're coming to get their lisinopril here. You can't, you know, just not let them know this has mm -hmm. 200 milligrams of caffeine in it, and they're taking yeah. it home with them. Um, but um, so that that's something to think about. Did you see that the uh, the new with the new AFib guidelines when they, they updated they took away the recommendation of, of telling AFib patients to stay away from caffeine. They said that it doesn't actually mm -hmm. reduce the risk of episode like further episodes or worsening. So they they said that you don't have to counsel against that for AFib specifically. Wow, I yeah. should let my dad know. He does have AFib, and his last visit, his doctor told them like no more caffeine ever. <sighs> Stop that. What an um, amateur doesn't even yeah, keep right. up with his material. This guideline's <laughs> been out for months. <laughs> what are you doing? 
Yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty. We we just did AFib like last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I thought that was that was one of the biggest takeaways yeah. I had from the whole. I'll have to read that guideline. Um, what do you use as far as like resources for supplements and things? Do you have any that yeah. you prefer? Yeah, my go-to is Natural Medicines yeah. database for sure. Um, I think they do a great job of breaking down indications and then like level of evidence for each one. You know, um, yeah. and then generally recognized as safe and effective or whatever on each indication and then a great side effects interactions with other medicines and supplements um that's always a good thing to look at too i I feel i mean that's definitely and i've said this before in the podcast people are going to think i'm like plugging them as a sponsor they're they're not a sponsor i just genuinely think that natural medicines database has i mean if you if you can't find a supplement in there probably doesn't (laughs) exist yeah you might not need to take it then yeah yeah i mean it's it's so in-depth with you know encompasses so many different you know herbal supplements and just yeah. everything you could think of so it's a very good resource lexicomp also has a natural medicine they section do. um it's not quite as you know um, robust but right. uh it, it can it's a decent one if you need a quick reference for a lot of the common ones um but yeah i, I natural medicines database is what i like as right. well that, especially that i do like convenient. lexicomp but i find when i'm doing my supplement consultations and i have the whole med list and i want to make sure there are the interactions there natural med natural medicines is a little bit better at the interaction checker for including supplements than lexicomp yeah. is so not to totally switch gears, unless you have something else you want to go to, but I, I do want to hear about this this writing gig you got going on. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so actually through my Arcs Cheat Sheets account, I found this uh, Sports Pharmacy Network account. Um, and Sports Pharmacy has always been an interest in mine, obviously, because I'm so interested in supplements and um, vitamins and natural medicine. And being an athlete myself, I thought that was a cool untapped area of pharmacy. So um, we got connected, and um, they're a pretty, pretty new um, organization just established last year. Um, and they just focus on providing an interdisciplinary platform of applied science and clinical knowledge to optimize the health and performance of athletes and protect clean sports. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty emerging field, I'd say. Um, not too many sports pharmacists out there, which I think is pretty pretty cool and unique. Um, but they work collectively with other key players on an athlete's team to synergize health and overall performance. Um, and I believe they're just launching their membership model next month. Um, but you can go to sportsrxnetwork.com to become a member and you will get a newsletter in this membership written by yours truly. So did, did you write the whole, like the whole newsletters? Do you have to do the whole thing? Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, it was one article I summarized. Oh, but yeah. still. Yeah. And actually, um, that was on a supplement. Obviously, I talked about the creatine augmentation of SSRIs. Oh, cool. um, yeah, to kind of help those kick into action a little bit sooner. We know a notorious setback of the SSRIs are delayed onset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this study actually showed, and it was the first of its kind, to uh, establish the benefit of augmenting SSRI treatment with oral creatine to demonstrate accelerated antidepressant efficacy. Um, but interestingly, it's in females only hmm. uh, that we do see a Did they say benefit. a mechanism or anything? So the, the pose mechanism? Right. So they're theorizing it's because um, the abnormal cerebral metabolism associated with depression has been more commonly reported in women than in men. 
and females are known to have a greater energy producing capacity and lower reactive oxygen species production, which could play a role in like the sex dependent effects of creatine. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's your uh, your first paper for them, or first article you've written for them. Is this? Did you enjoy like doing the process, writing it? Yeah, it was so fun, um, and I learned so much doing it. You know, I had never heard of this before. I read the article, um, but I, I think it was fun, and I'm excited to keep doing it for them and have a new study to look at every month. It's going to keep me on my toes for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you too, because you get you came about that because of Rx Cheat Sheets, right? I did. So kind of when we were sitting down in rotation, we were talking about like, you know, you never have any idea how all of it will end up right. benefiting you, but it usually will. It's never going to give you, you're never going to be further back because you wanted to keep up with stuff or do you do your, exactly. put your uh, insight into the world as yeah. far as your, your, your notes and all that stuff. Right. I, I've, I've said this till I was blue in the face with student, but you know, and if, if anybody's listened to the podcast for all, has heard me say it too, but I highly recommend anybody who has any sort of like, whether it's, you know, like Kaylee does with her, with her notes and makes them look amazing versus mine look, you know, you couldn't pay someone to try to study with my notes versus, uh, you know, someone who's, you know, very, does very well at speaking or, or video or whatever, maybe whatever your thing is that you like writing. Um, but, but using that as a way to like kind of keep up with, with your pharmacotherapy knowledge and your evidence-based medicine, but also getting your word out and like to the, and your, your name out there into the, the medical, you know, universe, if you will. Um, right. Social media is, is a very good tool for that, and it's becoming more and more prevalent now where people are starting to realize that, oh, it's not as unprofessional or whatever. It's, yeah. You know, it, no, I will say the one thing I still can't get on board with is TikTok, but... Give it time. I just, I know I'll spend way too much time on there, but I do still have a folder in my email for the pharmacy articles you had us sign up for. Oh, really? It's like six of them. But yeah, yeah, I remember you. That was like the first thing you said to us. You said if you read one of these like a week or whatever, you'll be, you know, on up there because I guarantee you after graduation, half of your class will. Yeah, Yeah. it's so crazy how like if you just do like the bare minimum, people are like, you're a rock star. Yeah. I mean, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, good for you. I, I'm especially with residency and all that. I, you know, I think the vast majority of people would have put it on hold if nothing else. So yeah. good on you for for sticking with it. So tell us one more time where we can find you at if they want to follow you or. Um, right. So my Instagram is called RX Cheat Sheets. It's RX dot Cheat Sheets. And is it safe to say that? I'm officially like the biggest influence in your career, or is it? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Cool. Just want to make sure I get that on recording. Our cheat sheets would not exist without you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've really, really laid laid the foundation for it. I'm just kidding. I did. I I basically gave you like three seconds of advice and you just ran with it. Yeah, and I don't even think we used the logo. Yeah, no. no, Oh, no, we definitely didn't. (laughs) Mine was, I think I did mine like in between patients one day. So no, I'm glad you went with yours. It looks much nicer. Yeah, thanks to Emily for that one. (laughs) Yeah, Emily. She's only been on the podcast twice. What amateur. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else you want to share before we get out of here? I appreciate all your time. I don't want to keep you too long. But. I do not think so. But if you if we ever do want to do a deep dive on other vitamins or supplements, call me up for that. Absolutely. Like I said, I have notes and notes for days on that. But we'll do it. Maybe, maybe we'll even do like a mini series like for YouTube or something. I think that would be cool. That'd be cool. That we can really dig into like the individual ones and 
Yeah. yeah. And I think cool. people are starting to get a little bit more interested mm-hmm. in, you know, vitamin supplements, over-the-counter treatments, natural medicine. And if um, they're not yet, we're going to freaking make them. Yeah. Yeah. I can convince them. Yeah. If, I'm just going to convince them to get interested in it, and then yeah. I'm just going to tell them it doesn't work. And they're going to be so confused. <laughs> That's my job is to, to install confusion. Kaylee, appreciate you being here. Thanks it's uh, good to see me. you again all these uh, months later. And um, it, it's crazy because that was your first rotation. It's, it's crazy that it doesn't seem like that long ago. No. And uh, I've been with the new job for over a year, and I had a whole bunch of students after. So it's like, gosh, yeah. like, a year and a half went by quick. It did. But uh, y'all make sure to go check out um, Kaylee's Instagram page, follow her, and uh, you know keep up with what she has going on. If you want more like lecture style PowerPoint, old school content, uh, you can check out Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/CoreConsultRx. Uh, it's basically my my physician assistant lectures that I do, pharmacotherapy lectures that I do, and uh, it includes PowerPoint slides, all kinds of different various disease states there's like over 100 lectures on there now and uh it's fairly cheap as as far as uh, review courses and things like that go and then also if you are uh, if you haven't already i know i've mentioned this a lot but pearls is a great drug info app that is growing monthly as far as the content they have um, they've been a long time sponsor of the show so pearls.com slash core consult rx make sure you check that out and another sponsor of the podcast is um I'm pretty sure that uh, you guys have all heard of this book by now, but if you have not, please go check out High Powered Medicine by Dr. Alex Poppin. It is a fantastic summary of various landmark clinical trials and gives you all the highlights of the trial of them and you know, the, the pertinent information, and then you can go, go from there if you need more um, elaborate information or more in-depth information. But great summary, great reference to, to glance at real quick. And if you sign up for the Patreon and, and pay for a, a year's membership, which is like $30 and some change, up front, Alex has given me permission to give you a digital copy of High Powered Medicine at no charge as a gift. So make sure awesome. you check that out. Thank you to Alex for sponsoring. Thanks to Pearls for sponsoring. And Kaylee, thanks for being here in between all your busy schedule and whatnot. We we definitely appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, Joe, thanks for my brother. Joe's been working the cameras and stuff today. So Joe, thank you, man. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Have a good one. <laughs>